right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. I, that was, um, gosh, my two, uh, some of two of my favorite medias, Blue Oyster Cult and a, uh, this old Highland cow eating apples. A, wow, 22-year-old Highland cow here eating apples. And I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I feel like, you know, the uh, footage and the uh, music matched. All right, and uh, yeah, excuse my um, start. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty. Um, excuse me, starting late. I used the um, Cajun seasoning again. I decided to make um, fried chicken with a, a new recipe that I saw from a TikTok of all places. And actually, that was like the best, um, the the best fried chicken recipe I've ever um, I've ever baked from. It was or not not baked. I guess I ever used. I. I, uh, well, it's like I fried it, um, in a, uh, yeah, I had a big frying pan that I fried it in, but I, I, you know, I didn't want to use too much oil, so it wasn't, like, floating in the oil, um, as, like, you know, you're supposed to, or if you have one of those, like, home fryers, so I ended up, like, flipping it, and then, you know, I took it off the, uh, you know, when I took the first batch off, I, um, you know, I cut into one of his strips, and I looked inside, and it was, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was still pinkish, so I just put the oven at, um, I think, like, the, the temperature has to be, like, 425 for most things to get crispy, um, so I put it up to 425 and just put them in for, you know, 15 minutes, and they, you know, the recipe also had a, um, it was, like, this buffalo, it was, like, this buffalo honey sauce, where it's, like, two, it's, like, two tablespoons of butter, of all things, and you mix, a uh, honey and buffalo, um, you know, cayenne pepper, buffalo sauce, and, uh, you, you know, toss the, um, toss the chicken in it, and yeah, it was very good, it was very good, it was too good, <laughs> and then to get it, it's, uh, yeah, and I, uh, you know, I, I ate a little bit too much, and also, yeah, on top of that, the raspberry cordial, like, all these recipes had to be prepared overnight, instead of using buttermilk, I used, uh, almond milk, because that's what we had, and, um, for, like, you know, my other chicken recipes, I would use, like, you know, an egg wash, but, um, uh, there's only so much, like, breading you could get from an egg wash, you know, before it starts to just taste too eggy, and I, I don't really like that, that taste. So, um, and I, I wasn't sure about how, uh, using almond milk would go, but I looked it up, and they said, yeah, there's, like, nothing special about buttermilk, and, um, yeah, it worked out very well, worked out very well. Um, I'm actually fine, like, you know, on TikTok, there's plenty of, like, great cooking recipes, uh, there's, like, so-so gardening things, like, I saw this one. It was like, oh, grow a mango, you know, gr grow a mango uh, plant in your house, and it's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't doesn't produce any fruit, right? It's just just literally the plant, and then oh my god, all the mental health stuff on TikTok. It's like, you know, people are re are gonna get really hurt or really fucked up if they um, take all this shit seriously. It looks like millions of people do. You see thousands of likes, millions of views. Uh, I saw this pretty. I mean, it was morbidly entertaining. Uh, it was this video that just popped up in my uh, recommended where it's this guy with actual Tourette syndrome reviewing one of these, like, I forget if it was Vice or, um, no, actually, no, I think it was directly from the woman's TikTok where she, she, like, this woman pretended to have Tourette's and put on this show and, you know, made it look like she was having a goofy, happy time. And it turned out that she didn't actually have Tourette's syndrome and all this mental health advice and shit she was giving was, um was bullshit and anyone with like actual Tourette syndrome uh you know wouldn't be amused um so yeah i mean there's you know good stuff and bad stuff um fortunately not very much dancing i've been able to avoid that so um yeah i mean you know technology and the social media stuff is just total crap total poison but um 
you know, and this is something my father told me. He he said that, but in in spite of all of that, and like you know, why he allowed me, quote unquote, you know, allowed me to have internet um, when I was a child. I mean, he was you know, rarely rarely there. You know, he was off at work a lot, even you know before um, before the separation and stuff. So it wasn't really you know much he could do. And the thing is, like the school forced, um, essentially forced us, or at least for some of us to get um to be active online when i was a child i was like what in seventh grade they said you um you need an email address you need a school email address and i said well no i, I don't i don't i don't i don't want that and they said yeah well you know you 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 have to and i i didn't want anything to do with the internet because of um you know the the, the hacker known as 4chan and I, I just had no interest i preferred you know at that point i still preferred going outside i still preferred um you know, creative pursuits, and then, yeah, and then they essentially forced me to, um, forced me to, uh, use the internet, and then, yeah, you know, here, here we are, the rest is history, um, and yeah, and that's gonna be the topic of tonight's show, talk, uh, topic of, uh, tonight's show here, um, and actually, it's a good segue, so I saw this meme here, teachers, when I was a, a, a child, a kid, and it shows, you know, I guess I, you know, granny or trad women types. I hope everyone had a good, good recess. It's time for math. And it's like teachers now. And it shows, uh, yeah, you know, purple hair, tumbler glasses, you know, saying whiteness is privilege. Now who is ready to hear about my sexuality? And I mean, I, I, I don't think this is totally accurate. I mean, I, I think there was probably always weird or, I mean, no, not that I think there's definitely always weird or crazy uh, crazy spinster type women who um, went into teaching and that's or, or nuns or you know, became nuns and that's why a lot of uh, people who went to Catholic school have a lot of uh, stories about these like you know insane nuns who would um, you know beat the shit like like you know beat them for writing with her left hand. My uh, grandfather he had well, he had spinal meningitis, but I I, I think it was epilepsy also. Uh, he, yeah, it must have been epilepsy. He would have seizures, and you know, during class, he would have a seizure, and the nuns would, you know, whack him with a ruler, and they're like, "Quit messing around, you know, you're not demon possessed, right? You know, pay attention." And he's like, Ugh. Um, "And it was a miracle he survived because this was in, um, this was in like, yeah, it would have been the nineteen twenties." Yeah, actually, we're gonna talk about Lady Fatima on. I'm gonna talk about Lady Fatima on Friday. Actually, I have here this uh, this notor this notorious book, right? Oh my God, we're gonna talk about this book, Fatima for today: The Urgent Marian Message of Hope. This is one um, a very Catholic family member of mine gave to my dad um, that he never read and has no intention of reading. It's just gonna take up space in uh, his bookshelf. But. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I lost my train of thought. We're talking about nuns. Um, yeah, my grandfather he uh, had spinal meningitis, and he, um, you know, he was uh, as he got older, it was you know more painful or whatever. And so he prayed on the bones of Saint Catherine, right? He prayed on like the knuckle, uh, the knuckle bone, right? This is some. It was like you know through the Catholic Church, and he had a um, miraculous recovery, and so that was. Or I think it's eventually who some who some the person who became Saint Catherine. I think that was one of the uh, miracles, right? That the Catholic Church, you know, they investigated it. And uh, you know, I know that sounds a lot like idolatry, but um, you know, it does. I mean, 
yeah i mean uh yeah i mean yeah it, you know but it is you know it was a serious thing at the time and yeah i'm thankful that um you know even though i guess we were praying to uh, on the bones of a dead person that god um you know god took care of him. oh yeah speaking of actually i have my my grandmother is uh is doing better um i actually got the news of that today before the show so um I, I didn't care to ask for the details of it i was just you know just happy to know that she is doing better so thank you everyone for the thoughts and prayers um yeah and hopefully um hopefully she stays better um because yeah and you know this is my you know grandmother on a different side all right so enough about me here we go so the big story today we're not deleting anything. Babylon B defiant after Twitter locks for account for tweet calling Rachel Levine man of the year. This is from Mediaite, Mediaite.com. Babylon, <laughs> the Babylon, I'm sorry, this is the first time I'm seeing this. The Babylon B's man of the year is Rachel Levine. And now Rachel Levine is the, uh, well, actually, they, they go into it. The Twitter account for satirical site, the Babylon Bee, has been... Okay, alright. Making sure, okay. Um, has been suspended for a tweet regarding Dr. Rachel Levine, a transgender woman who is the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health, and so far, far her CEO is defiant, refusing to delete the tweet, even if it results in the account being permanently banned. The tweet included the above image and linked to an article dated March 15th entitled... The Babylon Bee's Man of the Year is Rachel Levine. Quote, the Babylon Bee has selected Rachel Levine as its first annual Man of the Year, the article begins, describing Levine as, quote, the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health for U.S. Department of Human Health and Human Services, where he serves proudly as the first man in that position to dress like a Western cultural stereotype of a woman. An update at the end of the article states as follows. Since announcing this award, we've been told that Levine actually identifies as a woman. We have still chosen to give the award as his self-identification has no bearing on the truth. Congratulations, Rachel Levine. Last November, Twitter imposed the same penalty against conservative site PJ Media for tweeting an op-ed about Levine with a headline, Rachel Levine is not the first female four-star admiral because he's a male. PJ Media editor Paula... Bolliard confirmed in a tweet the suspension of a PJ Media account and the account of the offer of the op-ed, as well as posting that PJ Media would not be deleting the tweet. Babylon B CEO took a similarly defiant stance, tweeting on a Sunday that Versite had been locked out of our account for hateful conduct and that the 12-hour suspension would not begin to run until they deleted the tweet. We're not deleting anything, Dylan declared. Truth is not hate speech. If a cost of telling the truth is a loss of our Twitter account, then so be it. Later Sunday evening, the Babylon Bee posted about the Twitter suspension on their Facebook page, writing, We are now in a world where calling a man a man, even though through satire and humor, is hate speech. Babylon Bee was previously subject to a brief Twitter suspension in August 2020 when, according to Twitter, the account was mistakenly flagged as spam. The site made headlines again last June when a demand letter from her attorney successfully got the New York Times to retract comments calling the site misinformation instead of satire. Mediadite reached out to Dylan for comment, but did not receive a reply. So there you go. Man, you know, remember when The Onion uh, was 
was like the number one sat satire site and then um it just sort of disappeared i don't know if it's because i like i matured or the people uh the people who i was around matured and they just stopped caring about it i remember um yeah i remember what was it the first article i saw or i bet i looked up was i typed in um you know, because I, I had just finished a Modern Warfare 2 campaign and I typed in Modern Warfare 3 to see when the sequel would come out. And it was an Onion article. And I was, <laughs> and yeah, and I was I was reading it and I'm like, wow, this doesn't make any sense. Why would why would they do this? This sounds ridiculous. And then I, I figured out what it was. Um, and I guess because the Onion is essentially, um, you know, it was probably run by, you know, leftists who, or, or was taken over, you know, bought out and lost its sense of humor. But the Babylon Bees essentially replaced it and um yeah good for them for not uh deleting the tweet because i mean that'd be obviously the easiest thing i don't think anyone would um would blame them for deleting uh, you know deleting the tweet just to get access um to you know bad back to her account but um, they're sticking to her metaphorical guns so i can appreciate that so your new acronym just dropped duke university students go into debt to learn this this trash this is from libs of tiktok so now here we go so now it's no longer lgbtqia plus it's lgbtqqip2saa stands for so which i know that could be i guess like what eight of the second power but it'd be kind of cool make it you know kind of cool and so that stands for lesbian gay bisexual transgender questioning queer intersex pansexual two-spirit which is what the 2s stands for androgynous and asexual yeah <laughs> that's not order confirmation number <laughs> yeah so okay here we go got that it's lgbtqqip2saa or lgbtq squared ip2sa squared Sorry, got to memorize that. So, um, yeah, I mean, these are, I don't know, these, this is just like, this is just what I woke up to on, um, we're, we're going to get to articles. This is just what I woke up to on Twitter um, this morning. And like some, some of this stuff, it's like I, I woke up and I felt like I was on the fucking planet of the apes. Um, seeing all this shit about like, you know, the, um, the swimming, uh, you know, the swim competitions. This is from Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. A free society wouldn't encourage men to compete as women. Abolish Title IX. Ab ab yes, yes, 100%. It's based, super based. Abolish government-backed student loans. 100%. Oh, my God. It's like, I'm like, it's like that Vince McMahon meme. And abolish government accreditation of colleges. Yeah, and that's how you would get rid of a lot of this stuff, too. I mean, people complain. They say, oh... Uh, you know, fighting the culture war, that's, you know, you, you want to use the government to, um, you want to use the government to force uh, society to be a certain way. It's like, no, I want to stop the government from forcing society to be a certain way. I mean, do you really think, well, first, number one, like the, the average person in the United States isn't, you know, isn't represented by Twitter. Okay. That's number one. That's number one, Twitter, you know, and, and I mean, even the Democrats realize this. I think it was like Nancy Pelosi said something uh, along the lines ever too, or about AOC. It said like the American electorate isn't Twitter, that most of his shit that's like, you know, accepted on social media and that all these companies are promoting is, is fa actually, you know, considered to be like repugnant by, um, you know, by a lot of people. Um, and I don't think we would uh, have things like this HR dictatorship if it wasn't for shit like that being normalized in colleges, 
where, you know, I mean, the student, college students are the paying customers, right? They pay money to be there, and yet they accept to being lorded around by a bunch of petty, you know, like a bunch of uh, petty bureaucrats, um, you know, i.e. The, the vice, well, not, not actually, no, I guess the, um, like the vice presidents and stuff of like the, as I would call the uh, vice president of a department of uh, hating white people, which is like the diversity and um, inclusion department. And so they wouldn't be the petty bureaucrats, but and then you would, uh, if you're counting the student, um, like the RAs and the uh, RDs, that would be the um, what was what, what was it called? The um, not the were, were the overseers the one who would who it was like the slaves who were given a slightly higher position of managing the other slaves. I think that that would be overseer, but um, yeah, a lot of this this. Um, this garbage would be done away with if the government stopped and it's not even funding colleges it's subsidizing colleges because if a government i mean if 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 everything that the libertarian party of new hampshire suggested here um came about then like a majority of colleges would just totally collapse because it needs this government subsidizing and in intervention and oh hold on uh Oh, here we go. All right. And so this is a follow-up from the show on Monday here about the Florida um, anti-grooming bill. So now there was a protest outside of Disney here. And now, so we're going to check out this protest. Disney workers actually took part. Question. Unclear how many Disney workers actually took part. Westview's Amanda Dukes joins us live from outside Disney. And Amanda, did you see any of them protesting? Okay, so it's a Disney worker protest. That's right, due to the uh, anti-grooming bill. Well, we did see one protester earlier. You know, we're not able to get into the park or even into the corporate offices, so it's been a little difficult to get a handle on how many Disney workers actually did walk off the job. But I can tell you, monitoring ride uh, times, the waits for rides, as well as social media, it doesn't look like the walkout had any big impact on park operations today. At the Disney entrance at this Hotel Plaza guy. Boulevard Tuesday, lone cast member Nicholas Moldonado protested Disney's response to what critics call Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. Unclear how many Disney workers actually. So it's just like one person there. Wow. Man, you know, it's been so long. I, I don't even. Yeah, I, I guess I think I remember the Golden Balls on top. Wow. It's like, what, 50, 50th anniversary of Disney World? And so now I, I think, um, you know, I think DeSantis is just an opportunistic politician who just happens to do sometimes do the right thing. Um, but I'm not a DeSantis stan, I'm not a stan of um, not really a stan of uh, any any politician, honestly. Um, uh, Ron Paul isn't a politician anymore. So no, um, Grandpa has 1500 tattoos on 98% of his body, including his eyes. Okay. All right. That's enough of the New York post for today, but Florida to require. Okay. So I gotta say, I mean, you know, Sununu, I'm not even going to talk about that asshole today, but, um, DeSantis has been on a roll this week first, you know, um, passing the, or I guess not, not passing, but, you know, signing the, um, anti-grooming bill now he's uh 
So you're supporting a bill to require high school financial literacy class to graduate. Now, I'm not a supporter of public schooling. Or either, hold on, I like, or hold on. I'm not a supporter of high school as a concept or ever. I mean, you know, public schooling is just basically like, you know, people getting together, agreeing to have some sort of, um, you know, central education. I mean, like if let's say New Hampshire seceded, there would still be, you know, communities that want to have some sort of um, uh, public school. I mean, you know, you might call it something else, but, it you know, that where it's like, oh, well, everyone's, you know, paying. So it's a private school. OK, but it's like it's open to everyone. So, I mean, you know, essentially, um so, I mean, I, I do, you know, I'm not opposed to, like, you know, basically for being, like, um, you know, grades 1 through 6 to, or let's say, like, 1 through 8 to uh, teach children, like, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, everything to prepare them to um, go and to either get, you know, further education. And then, you know, like, college would start by the time you would normally go to high school, right? Because, um you know, you know, being in college is essentially being a high schooler with um, with a license and uh, being able to drink alcohol. Um, and then, yeah, by the time that you, um, you know, by the time that you're, I guess, sort of at like, you know, you're you're like like at a crossroads of where you're at your like energy peak and, you know, you're like physical and like your, um, you know, peak. Uh, let's see here. I guess like your peak. um young adultness or whatever um you have all that energy by the time you're 18 you already have done all the book work and then now it's time to do like you know an apprenticeship or do field work and so by the time you have all that youthful energy out and you're you know in your 30s and you know calmer and wiser um that's when you know you're in middle management or you know starting your own practice or starting your own work or whatever i mean i i think i would support i, I think that system is the um the, the best system here but if we are going to have a public school i think it is good to teach children financial literacy and so um yeah i mean yeah t i mean honestly yeah teach teach children about capitalism and not uh, not about grooming uh today i think is teach teachers not not about grooming about sex yeah teach about capitalism not about sex is good because what the, what the bill's doing with financial literacy uh, is really providing a foundation for students that's going to be applicable in their lives regardless of what path they take. I mean, if they go the university route, uh, postgraduate, any of that, they're still going to need these skills. If they go right into the workforce, they're still going to need these skills. And so any different uh, endeavor that you do, uh, to be able to be well-versed in financial literacy, that is going to help you. And I think that uh, what we're doing here today, uh, we're going to be signing SB uh, 1054, which was Senator Hudson's bill in the Senate and uh, Representative uh, Cabrera's bill in the House. Uh, it will require uh, all Florida high school students to meet a financial literacy one-half credit requirement in order to graduate. And so this is something that will start to apply in the 23 uh, 24 school year so students now are going to continue uh, meeting the requirements that, that are in place at this time uh, but this will be uh, provide a foundation for students to learn about the basics of money management uh, understanding debt understanding how to balance a checkbook understanding the fundamentals of investing yeah yeah well well i, I don't know about the investing thing because you know what are they going to say oh invest in like was it you're young you should invest in bonds you should invest in government bonds right Oh, invest, you know, don't invest in that Bitcoin thing. You're going to lose all your money doing that. Invest in the stock market. Um, 
But I'm just, I'm, I was just laughing because I know how we're gonna spin this. The, uh, you know, Valef are gonna say, "Oh no, we're gonna, you know, you're we're giving you, you kids, you're giving all you, uh, you high school students more classes, right? Because of DeSantis, you're gonna have to take a whole extra class to graduate. Oh, that's terrible." And yet, you know, this is coming from the same people who say, "Oh, you know, students need to take a diversity and." And uh, it was a diversity and self-hatred training. Uh, not training. Um, a, a, you know, diversity. It was diversity and equity class. Um, I.e., you know, whitey guilt trip class. Um, and, I, and I remember it's like students were demanding that at Keen State, at, uh, at Kegstan. And I'm thinking, like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you be demanding an extra class? Like, an extra class in most people, it's not going to have anything to do with her major, and it's just, just a waste of time. It's like, we already hate this this uh, basic credit course system, this well-rounded education bullshit. That's designed just to, you know, force us to spend four years at a place where we really only, you know, need to spend two um, for, you know, for what it, uh, what it teaches us. So, um, yeah, um, you know, what I did, and I guess, like, you know, if... if yeah, what what I did was um, I actually took a um, financial literacy class that was worth uh, college credit in my high school, so I didn't have to take a math course in college. All right, and so I'm continuing on the uh, subject of the sexualization of children. This is from Spike Cohen here. This this so let's let's take a look at this mutant creature. Oh my god. Let's get a, a physiognomy, physiognomy check on uh, this guy here. Um, he was, uh, oh God, he 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 was um, he he was the sidekick to Joe Jorgensen, the total loser twenty twenty candidate. So what does that make him? Um, and occasionally I see him make you know just like basic bitch libertarian talking points. I don't know what exactly he's doing now. His um, no, nor do I particularly care. Um, his uh, Twitter says 2020 Libertarian Party VP candidate buy my mixtape so it looks like evidently not much other than shit posting on Twitter posting his crap um, he's like basically like the epitome of a libertarian type um, so I see this garbage on my feed today government has no business telling parents how to raise their kids okay alright that's, that's, that's he starts out reasonable Example, Idaho's HB 675 and Texas Governor Abbott's order, which seek to criminalize parents of trans kids. And, 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 and the way he phrases that, when he says parents of trans kids, as if it's like, they, you know, as if they're, they're like, um, the, you know, the, um, what, what was that, the um, American, um, it's like, you know, the teen, teen werewolf, or what was that movie with Michael J. Fox, where they just suddenly develop superpowers or they start, you know, growing fur in a tail, right? As if it's not the parent cajoling the child into doing it, right? Having a Munchausen by proxy um, situation. Um, and if, if not that, maybe that's even overthinking it, right? Where, you know, there's plenty of um, plenty of parents who are willing to make their kids, like, wear, wear two masks, you know, running around playing outside, um, if they even let them go outside at all. So you don't think that um, parents are going to force uh, you know, medical procedures on their children? You know, the same parents in this country who force children to take, I think, like, I think it's like we have, like, the most medicated, um, you know, it's the number one, of you know, the most medicated society in all of history. But, um, you know, that also applies to children. 
And so just because, yeah, I mean, and, and so all of that is, you know, considered okay by society, even though it's, you know, scientifically proven to be terrible. Um, uh, and, and that's a funny thing too. It's, oh, hold on. If, and so he continues, if parents and doctors decide that treatment is necessary for a kid, that's none of a government's business. If you're against trans people or think transgenderism isn't real or whatever, that is your right to express your opinion without fear of punishment. And it's the right of parents to li to listen to their children and pediatricians. And yeah, yeah, uh, pediatricians. Yeah, who else who, who else should they listen to, right? And make medical decisions without fear of punishment. Yeah, pedi the same pediatricians who say that oppositional defiant disorder is real, right? But if a child doesn't want to um, sit still all day and be, be you know, lectured by a bunch of fucking geriatric spinsters, uh, they have a mental disorder, and right? And who would give them who would give them at the drop of a dime psychotropic drugs? Right? Those pediatricians? And it's the right of parents to... Okay, yeah, and that's mean to listen to their children too. Okay, like... So, are you going to listen to your child if they say they want to they, they want to uh, run away from home? Like, and say, all right, fine. You know, you don't want to be here. That's, that's your right. I respect your sovereignty. Are you going to listen to your kid... When you say, when when they say they want to eat candy, you know they they, they want to eat candy uh, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, you know, I mean, does this guy? Let's see here. I wonder. Um, doesn't doesn't really say. It's the. I'd be curious if this guy is married or has children of his own. Um, or if, so, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really care to care to look. And so you have a Jeremy Kaufman, founder of, um, or I, I think, or builder, I guess, of Odyssey or library uh he's running for senate here under the libertarian ticket suppose a child has and so he says suppose a child has body integrity identity disorder if a child wants for limb amputated should a parent be able to amputate the limb of a child suffering from this syndrome just a consistency check And, and and you have people saying, yeah, you know, if a kid, <laughs> yeah, yes, if a child of body integrity identity disorder wants for limb amputated, one would expect, well, yeah, of course, one would expect their parents to consult a pediatrician and psychological counseling services to help resolve the child's underlying issue, which may indeed result in amputation. Reply, you're fucking insane. And the guy replies, you think that a government bureaucrat knows better than a parent plus a child's doctor plus a psychiatrist? Excuse me, psychologist? If a child in question requires a medical procedure, that's really a position you want to hold? Yes, I'm going to hold the position that we shouldn't allow insane parents to cut off our kids' limbs. I know it's very controversial. Yes, the parents are the only ones who decide here, definitely. I don't care if an insane doctor also says it's okay to cut off a child's limbs. It should still be illegal. So so then why are you saying the parents should do it? Oh, no, okay, I'm sorry. That's uh, that's a wrong, different guy. Okay. Um, I think there's a few other... Um, a few, few other e-celebs here. Yeah, for beating your ass in the um, quote tweets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hashtag get the millstone. Uh, 
Oh, I saw a really, really gross reply about like they said. Um, they said, "Well, if a child, you know, if it, if if a child changes their mind when they're older, they could always wear pro. They could always wear prosthetics or something." It's like, oh yeah, well okay. Um, of a few seemingly legitimate functions of the state, protecting children from abuse is on the list. These surgeries and hormone treatments are dangerous and irreversible. Parents who subject their children to them are worthy of scorn. And, it, you know, it, it, it is funny. It's like you, you you could tell in the replies. It's like the people who are against this are the people who actually have children. Um, who actually have children, right? The people who actually have families. So the people who are for it are all the childish, you know, weirdos and mutants and freaks. Um, and so that's telling. And so now... Um, Let's see here. Hold on. Let's let's go to our next gimmick. I'm feeling rather festive today. I have all these these gimmicks and stuff to make up for my lack of talent. And so what we have learned applies to our lives today. God has a lot to say in His book. All right. And so now we're gonna you go see, to. See, we know that God's word is for everyone. And now that our song is done, we'll take the Now, let's see what the Bible has to say about pedophilia and experimenting on children. So, it doesn't say anything explicitly about both of about those. Like, if you do a control F in a Bible PDF, you're not going to find the word pedophilia in there. Uh, or molester or anything. And so here, go to gotquestions.org. What does the Bible say about pedophilia? Answer. There is no direct mention of pedophilia in the Bible, but there are numerous biblical principles... That definitely apply to this sin. One such principle is the Bible's view of the sin of fornication. The word translated fornication has the same idea in both the Hebrew and the Greek. The Greek word is pornea, from which we get the English words porno and pornography. The word in scripture refers to any illicit sexual activity, and thus would have to include the abhorrent acts of a pedophile, including the gathering and trading of obscene or indecent pictures of young children. People who use this type of pornography usually graduate from looking to actually doing, bringing great harm to children. Fornication is among the lusts of the flesh, from Galatians 5, 16-21, and among the evil things that come from the heart of a man apart from God. Pedophiles share the characteristic of being without natural affection. The phrase without natural affection is translated from one Greek word, which means inhuman, unloving, and unsociable. One without natural affection acts in ways that are against the social norm. This would certainly describe a pedophile. In addition, there is a principle found in Jesus' words about children. Jesus used a child to teach his disciples that childlike faith is necessary for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. At the same time, he said that the father has concern for all of his, quote, little ones. In the passage, Jesus, and, and so, um, Jesus says, But whoso... Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And now a millstone is a very heavy stone. Um, I've actually been thinking about getting a millstone, um, not just to use as a prop for the show, you know, when it's, you know, when I, when I tweet out hashtag get the millstone. Um, and then, you know, I have like a legit millstone um, in case I ever... Um, in case I in case I ever encounter a pedophile, you know I have a millstone handy. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but very, very expensive. Um, and I wouldn't want to, I, I wouldn't, if, if I bought one, I wouldn't want to uh, waste it by throwing it into the ocean. Um, it'd be a waste of a perfectly good millstone. Um, uh, the word, and so basically means, you know, it'd, it'd be better that you kill yourself, um, before you uh, bring bring harm to a child, the word "offend" in the Greek in Greek means quote to cause one to stumble, to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall, to entice to sin, or to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. These definitions of word offend can easily be applied to the actions of a pedophile. Of course, the principle of not harming a child can be applied to a wide range of child abusive actions. In Matthew 18.10 makes a case against anyone who would bring any harm, any type of harm to a child. Yeah, and so, um, so you're 1810, where Jesus says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven for angels do always behold the face of a father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have a, a hundred sheep, and one be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety-nine and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, that he may find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And then it go. Actually, this is very interesting. Um, if I ever do a show on infighting, I actually might read this next part. Um, Matthew eighteen fifteen, where um, Jesus talks about the proper way to handle infighting um, in a church, or not necessarily infighting, but you know, disagree, um, you know, issues and such. It's very interesting. All right, and so now it's um, it's not just on the left, though, right? And it's not just on the libertarian side. Um, this. Um, it's also on the conservative side here. This is from Mark Dice. Glenn Beck goes woke. Won't state the obvious that Dave Rubin is deprived. Okay, and so now there's this controversy that Dave Rubin, um, who's, I don't know, I guess he's like, I don't, I don't even know who he, like, I don't know what he, he is. I don't know what he does. I don't know who he is. Um, I just know that he's on as, like, guests at a lot of places. I forget if he, if Alex Jones ever had him directly on as a guest. I know Alex Jones liked to suck his balls. Um, uh, I get. I don't know. I think he's like a comedian or something, and he's I don't know, like part of the intellectual dark web or something. I don't know. He's one of these like these these leftists who are anti SJW. Um, I get him and David Pakman mixed up actually. Um, but anyway, so he has something to do with um Glenn Beck. I think they work together or something. For you know, part of the same grift network. I think he has a lot to do with Prager, uh, Prager U. I think I've seen him have some Prager U videos. And so him and his uh, his partner, 
his husband um they decided to do i I think like they oh gosh and i I was trying to explain this to my i was trying to explain this to my dad the other day and he, he he got so nauseous um they want uh they want children and so obviously you know i mean we're not like as i said we're anti-sjw liberals so we're not gonna you know even try and get one or the other pregnant um so what they're doing is they're paying one woman for her eggs so we're using the eggs from one woman and we're going to for we're, we're gonna or we're gonna try and get like two eggs the, the, the goal is to fertilize go oh, i'm getting nauseous the goal is to fertilize two eggs right artificially infer um artificially inseminate two eggs one with the sperm from dave rubin and the other from the sperm of his partner and um they're going to implant those eggs from the same woman so the, the two kids will be half brothers technically actually yeah they'll be half brothers we're going to implement those two uh those eggs into different women okay so 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 we're, so we're from eggs from woman a and then they're going to be implanted inside a uh, woman b and woman c so um all in all there's five people involved in um this uh this this process right And I mean, you know, it's like some of you, it's like some might say, oh, well, you know, this is science, right? You know, people who are infertile can now um, have children. And yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's true. Although IVF gave um, gave us Nick Fuentes. So I don't know if it's, if it's that good of a thing, if it, you know, led to um, Nick being created. Although it is funny too, because I think both Nick Fuentes and his sister um, were produced via IVF and and what was it she i think his sister ended up being um she, i think she's like a lesbian and nick is you know founder of america first he's a um a cat he's a cat boy aficionado um yeah and uh yeah a duganist you know pro-russia cat boy aficionado the worst kind of cat boy okay so what was i going on about oh yeah and um you know and i mean the technology is interesting right it's cool i follow micro mini um highland cattle where this guy you know has all this like you know super uh this like super science you know star trek shit inside a barn where he somehow artificially creates these um very small like these you know uh, dog-sized uh very cute and fluffy highland cows um, but then like when, when, when you start doing this kind of stuff to, with a human being, like with a person, it's kind of, kind of weird, um, in my view and the, uh, response in the conservative sphere has, I mean, I mean, this is for, for me, this is too much like Jurassic Park, you know, playing God, um, you know, and like what we're, we're going to have like what designer babies next where you could, you know, choose certain traits and things, which I guess could be a good thing where, um you know you you get rid of you know if like you know if a child is going to be born with some sort of um, genetic defect if you get rid of that defect you know but what you know what what else could you do and you know change about um change you know change about people um 
so I think it, and and you know it's funny too. It's like the people who who fearmonger about like you know this this coronavirus that now I think they're admitting sort of came out of a lab or you know came from a bat, and yet they want to make like you know animal human chimeras and all sorts of stuff like this. And they're not worried about like a uh, some new virus, like a super virus coming from a genetically engineered creature, like um anyways and so the um and it's funny that's this is a little bit like uh, you know i i do remember when i was in um when i was in high school and i mentioned the spider goat and people laugh and they're like oh where did you read that and i said oh well, i saw an article online about it and they're like oh it was on the internet and this was like 2014 2015 and they're like ha yeah you know and they just laugh at me like it wasn't true and i say oh yeah and so i i, I tie you know i i pull up my uh my my tablet time because i didn't have a phone i type in spider goat and it was a um a goat that has spider dna that you it, it like shot out webbing out of its teats and instead of milk and so you can make like you know body armor and like you know certain things um and so i say yeah hey you know are you gonna apologize you know bitch um and she said oh well i thought it was like you know literally like a half spider half goat so i was technically right (laughs) he's like you shouldn't have called it a spider goat and i said well it is half spider half you know part spider part goat so um and then yeah now all this all this um you know science and stuff and we still don't have flying cars but we have all this crap instead so anyways there's been um conflict on the conservative side here about uh, dave rubin um and so now i mean i'd understand someone saying well this this is his private you know this the you know you shouldn't be talking about this this is his private choice this is his private life you know he has the money if he wants children but i mean he's made it public right he's been announcing it he's been talking about it and um so far i haven't seen uh any backlash other than uh from mark dice i get why the right has these what i would argue are often legitimate fears because the left does not stop eating civilization. Correct. And think about what an unfortunate position that puts us in. Because- oh, and, and so this, this clip is uh, captioned, Glenn Beck goes woke, won't state the obvious, that, and this is from Mark Dice, that Dave Rubin is depriving the children of a mother from the moment they're born and forcing them to be raised by two gay men. So much for protecting the nuclear family. It's wrong, not that hard to say. And then so so then it continues because then someone like me can make an announcement like this, then good, decent, thoughtful conservatives, some of faith, maybe some of some not of faith, whatever it is, could reach out and say, boy, this this is what an interesting opportunity. And sure, it's a little different and and whatever, all, all the love that, that you and the Blaze guys and everyone else are giving me. And then and then there's this other part that's legit. Which is, uh oh, if we move the line, they're going to keep going. And I don't know what the answer to that is. Dave. I honestly don't, because that has nothing to do with me. Well, look, look how obviously Glenn Beck dyes his hair now. Right? I, I remember when his hair, um, when he looked like a do- one of these like Jim Carrey, Dr. Seuss characters, right? Where his hair was like all, all ble- totally bleached white, um, or b- bleach white. And yeah, now now it looks like he's using the same hair dye as Donald Trump. And yeah, I could I could we could we could see that hairline is uh, getting very thin. That that hair is getting very thin, Glenn. And now I'm gonna live my life. I think, and this is why I wanted to have you on because I don't have an answer. I am, you know me. I'm a deeply religious man, and my <laughs> he's like John Candy level fat now, Glenn Beck. Look at his, he's wearing like a mil. you weren't in the military, what, what are you doing? Why are you wearing a military? Well, I mean, okay, I mean, he's wearing a military jacket with like patches and stuff. 
my religion says man and a woman uh, that is the basic building block of family. We are. St- he, has a, he has a tear in his eye. He's like, oh my god. He's like, well, I need, I, I need that, uh, I need that Peter Thiel money to keep coming in. Okay, so he's wearing some weird military military coat over a yellow sweater vest, like a, a yellow sw- sweater within a green green collared shirt underneath. It's like the man, you know, and he has his little, um, his, uh, tumbler glasses here too. It's like, or not tumbler glasses. What are they called? The, um, uh, little, little round glasses here. It's like he's on LSD dressing himself. So we're probably the clearest church on this. Cause it's been in mm-hmm. our, you know, you saw about the Mormon church, our doctrine for 200 years. So we're very clear on that, but that's marriage. And relationships, and that's what I believe. But I also am. I also. I also know God created you just like He created me, flaws and all. Uh, you know, um, I believe I have a gene. They've never found it that makes me very susceptible to alcoholism. Because oh, that's what, that's what we're blaming it on now. We're blaming it on Jeanette. Okay, so okay, so Glenn, what what else could we blame? Gee, so if, if you're blaming that behavior on genetics, well, I mean, could we blame other behaviors on genetics, right? Maybe, like, violent behavior or maybe, like, lying, you know, from certain types of people, uh, certain groups of people. Maybe, could we, could we prove that? Like, if that's what you're saying, if you're going bl- to blame fucking alcoholism on a gene, right? And I, I don't know, I guess this is what I, I guess because he's, like, Irish or something. I don't know where Beck comes from. Sounds English. Um, blaming tree. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, man, I... I can't put down this bottle. Oh, I can't put down this glass. Oh, my genetics. It's forcing me. I have to I have to drink alcohol like I breathe. Right? I have internal my liver is like my gills, right? I need to breathe in alcohol. Just an excuse. And and, and oh yeah, and another thing about about Glenn Beck's Mormonism. Now Glenn Beck used to be a Catholic and he was like a total shitbag. Apparently his um his uh his competitor on some like you know uh rival station his wife had a miscarriage and glenn beck calls in the day uh like i think like the day after um you know the, the his wife miscarries and he's and, and he's laughing at him and he's like you know grilling him over it and like saying oh wow you can't i guess you can't do anything right and he i guess he eventually gets kicked off um he eventually gets to like rock bottom and he said how he what was it got on he's like oh i got on my knees and i i prayed and then you know and then then the phone call came and he got it's like he he got associated with um someone some some zion i forget if a guy was a zionist and a mormon or, or or something or other but he like hooks up with someone who like really glowy and then the next day suddenly um, he gets a call, right? And he says, oh, God, you know, provided this opportunity. And that's, I, f- I forget if that's when he was on Fox or, or something happened. I actually knew someone from my, um, I had a teacher who listened to Glenn Beck back when he was um, on in Connecticut. I think he was Connecticut or something like really like pre, you know, pre uh, Fox News Glenn Beck, pre-conservative Glenn Beck. And he said, uh, yeah, Glenn Beck used to just be this like shock jock kind of guy. And then suddenly he, um, you know, did like a 180 and became this, you know, weirdo Mormon conservative. 
like a cheap copy of Alex Jones, honestly, too. Because I remember when, like, some of Jones's best work was when they started rolling out uh, Glenn Beck. So I think, honestly, like, he they, they had him be a response to Jones. Like, you know, a gatekeeper. Um, I guess, yeah, or a whole, like, you know, another level of, like, gatekeeping. Runs in my family. So does craziness, but it runs in my family. The same thing with things that I don't understand. And, and he's, oh, it runs in my family. Okay, well, have you ever thought maybe it's not genetics that makes your family crazy? It's just that because, you know, your family is crazy, each, um, you know, that imprints on each generation because, you know, it's the same behavior and it's like, you know, it's a cycle. I mean, say, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, and that's, that's what it is. You know, that's, that's true. It's a behavior. It's a um, cycle of, um, it's like, you know, a cycle of behavior. Um and I know that because there was a cycle of alcoholism and violence um, uh, patrilineally on my, you know, my side of a family that's, um, that's, yeah, that's stopping with me. Um, although I, I guess that depends on how well, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that joke. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's stopping with me uh, because um, for, you know, re reason, uh, you know, re reasons, um, I, you know, I will it's, yeah, uh, re, you know, spirit quests and, 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 and such, and, you know, um, uh, yeah, um, that I realize that this cycle is, um, not okay, and, yeah, but, you know, my father, what was, my father spanked me with his hand when I was, you know, he, he spanked, when, as, um, for discipline, his father with his belt, um, his father with his fists, and, um, his father would, you know, would, uh, have him like chained in the basement would beat him up and so um you know there's like a de-escalation with each generation it's finally stopping with me right and i didn't have to take an mrna you know gene therapy drug or you know sh wipe my part of my brain with a magnet or whatever um it's just realizing that there's a problem right that there's a, a generational problem and you know, asking God for help in dealing with that problem and overcoming that problem. And then, yeah, putting in the effort yourself, right? Instead of saying, oh, well, you know, sorry, uh, sorry, sweetie, I'm genetically pre predisposed to anger. Uh, so, you know, make the man some fucking eggs, bitch. You know, well, obscure New Zealand film reference. If we can't have a conversation about things that we don't necessarily yeah i mean this is just so such cope too i'm sorry i'm like pausing every five seconds this is just so cope too he's like well and you know the bible says this but you know also i'm i'm rationalizing it as this and you know the mormon church says this really understand and it. i know that everything i'm saying my audience is gonna hate me but you know i gotta keep that peter teal money coming in and probably won't until we get to the other side we have to just work it out together and be able to say, Dave, I, 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 I disagree or I don't know um, what the answer is, but I love you. Okay, well, no, all right. I, I don't see Like, you know, that, that's a good point. I mean, you know. Um, actually, yeah, all right. I guess he ended it on a good point. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's um, okay to disagree with people. Um, if they move the line, they're going to keep going forward. You just cross the line by buying the eggs and re renting the womb, bro. <laughs> so, yes. 
from Mark Dice. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, he's been getting blocked left and right. Man, I, I haven't paid much attention to Mark Dice in years since he became just a, a straight-up Trump shill. Um, and that is a good point. He is pointing out the hypocrisy where you'd have people like Matt Walsh, who's on Tucker all the time, tweeting, Pete Buttigieg's husband leads kids in a pledge of allegiance to the gay pride rainbow. But then when one of her colleagues does something... Um, which, you know, you know, does something, um, along, I wouldn't even say along a similar lines, but you know, something also controversial, um, then it's a total silence, right? Yeah, I, I think Matt Walsh does great work, but it's odd that him of all people are staying silent on a Reuben surrogacy issue depriving the children of a mother especially in the face of prager you and the blaze celebrating it he's still deflecting instead of addressing it at all uh-oh he's deleting tweets or someone's deleting tweets <laughs> what's going on jesse spots oh that's cool it's fine see him there all right. Anyway, so enough of that. Um, yeah. So that's just a. That's, that's, let's let's see what's going on on uh, the right wing grifter Twitter. Oh well, that's what's going on. So, anyways, on the subject of this, I'm sorry if if you've um, also having like stomach issues like I am today. Right? All this pedophile. All this. Um, well, in that case, I'm, I'm I'm not accusing Dave Rubin of being a pedophile. I mean, I'm saying what, like a, what we're about to talk about here. But all these, um, you know, children's issues and stuff. It's not uh, for the. Um, it's it's not for the uh, faint of a uh, faint of heart, and it's only going to get worse here. Um, so this is it's been like day three of the honorable Judge Kentaji Brown Jackson, right? The libertarian um, female African American judge who the Biden administration want to appoint um, appoint to the uh, Supreme Court to replace Justice Breyer. Um, so anyway, so she's uh, she's been under attack by Republic the evil statist Republicans again today. In comes the internet. On the internet, with one click, you can receive, you can distribute tens of thousands. You can be doing this for 15 minutes and all of a sudden you are looking at 30, 40, 50 years in prison. Good. Good. I understand. Absolutely good. I hope you are. Oh, oh, I never thought I'd say this. And they're talking about child pornography. Based Lindsey Graham. (laughs) Do we have based Lindsey Graham for once? For once in his fucking life. Oh, my God. Oh. And, and yeah, and we're talking about, um, uh, I I think, like, the, the, the issue... Uh, well, we'll, 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 we'll get into it. Do Good. Allow her to finish, please. I hope you go to jail for 50 years if you're on the Internet trolling for images please. of children and sexual exploitation. So, so you don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a that's horrible thing. That's not what the witness said, and she should be allowed. Oh, shut up, Dick Durbin. Well, and I got to say, I mean, it is pretty easy to be, you know, to be based when talking about about you know like you know it's like i'm not giving him too much a, a pat on the back for you know saying that um you know pedophile should um should be in jail um so it's like hold on actually what was her argument even again 15 minutes can distribute 
tens oh. of thousands. Oh, that's right. Her argument is, is that the law, um, the law when it comes to child pornography is um, archaic because when it was written, child porn was on like VHS cassette and like Polaroids and stuff. And so it was harder to distribute versus today child pornography. You could like, you know, you could actually like, what was it? You could access, um, and what she says, she's like, oh, you could just click and you could get, <laughs> you could click and get 15 minutes. Uh, cause I guess it's like the guy was sentenced to, for, you know, quite a few years in jail because he only watched like 15 minutes of child pornography or something. Um, she described yeah just one click well yeah i mean you you need what well no i guess it would be what one click well what i guess like a one click to open the file i guess because uh most files like autoplay you don't have to press play it just you know plays as soon as you open it so yeah i guess that's one click and access to 15 minutes um oh look at look at that you know look at that just said look of contempt too she's like she's possessed by a fucking demon in this uh this still um and so because of the internet, you could, you know, um, you, you could upload, well, I don't know, I, I, I you know, I, uh, I wouldn't know from, ex I wouldn't know, but, um, it's, you know, it's like other things, it's possible to upload, um, a lot of child pornography, um, like in a zip drive, like, you know, thousands of images and, you know, and that you could have on like a flash drive or a floppy disk, um, and I don't really see why it's it's any different. It's like you're still it's like you're still accessing the material. It's just much easier to do it. I mean, it's like giving someone less jail time because it's easier to kill someone. Like, all right. And so then um, this is uh, Josh Hawley asking her questions. Uh, you did. Let me ask you about some of the things, though, that you said. Oh, yeah, and so for, you know, I'm just, I could just feel all, like, the pedo, you know, pedophiles listening and seething. Um, it's going to be Open Line Friday on, um, well, what do you know, on Friday. Um, I'm going to have the lines open on Friday. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll experiment with Skype calls um, for next next week. Um, I'm going to be too busy to do uh, Skype calls this week, so it's going to be on the uh, you know the Telegram um, Telegram call in line, uh, open line Friday, and yeah. So if anyone wants to, um, anyone wants to uh, rebut any of the points being made, um, that'll be your chance to do so. So here we go. All right. You said this this morning, and I, I appreciated it, how you want to direct the defendants. You want to get them to own up to what they've done in these cases. And I thought that was powerful, and I thought it was right. But let me just ask you about what you said to this defendant. Oh, yeah, this guy's a total warmonger, by the way. So same thing with Lindsey Graham, you know. It's not hard to be on the right side of this issue. So me praising someone or appreciating what they do isn't an endorsement. You said to this defendant for whom you sentenced to only three months in prison, that your collection, I'm quoting you, your collection at the time that you were caught was not actually as large as it seems. Now, the government felt the need to respond to you on the record. They said the government doesn't believe that it's appropriate to just disregard the number of images, that the number of images can be appropriate. And indeed, in this case, the defendant has amassed an extremely large collection of child pornography. But you disregarded that. Listen to that, she's breathing into the mic. <sighs> like she's so mad she's like oh my god i can't believe you're bringing this up 
yeah, well, what's your problem? What do you have against pedophiles? And I got to say, out of all the times I've seen in the news about, like, or that I've read about um, pedophiles being busted for CP, I've never heard that, oh, they had one image of CP or they had, you know, um, it was just, you know, two or like under, t- it, was, it was always like, you know, they found hundreds of images of CP, they found thousands of images of CP on the hard drive, they found videos, they found, you know, all, all this stuff. Um, it's never just one, right? You also told the defendant, you said this, this seems to be a case where you were fascinated by sexual images involving what were essentially your peers. And then you went on to say the defendant was merely trying to satisfy his curiosity. Curiosity is your word. So, all right, I, I have heard a theory because there's a lot of people who have autism that get arrested for child pornography. And the theory is, is that they, because they're developmentally delayed, they, like in their, their, their own logic, they sh- it's like, what was it? Like something, I don't know, now that I say this out loud, it doesn't make very many much sense. We're like, because people with autism are developmentally delayed, they help they they learn by seeing children do things or something or they view themselves as a child so it makes sense that they would look at child pornography um or even even like some kids who are uh who don't have like any sort of disabilities or whatever just like naive or stupid they figure oh well i'm a child so um you know let's i I guess i should watch you know porn of people my age or or, you know whatever whatever weird ass logic leads to that conclusion i'd understand i don't know if that's really the case in this instance um i i imagine she would have she probably would say if like the guy was you know retarded or autistic or something because that would be different um but from what it seems it seems like this was just you know a normal guy like well as you'll see you'll see the age the, the age difference right because she says oh he was among his peers but let's see let's see what the age difference actually was one more thing on this same idea you said you were viewing this is you to the defendant you were you were viewing sex acts between children who were not much younger than you and this whole discussion is about why you're only giving him three months judge he was 18 these kids are eight i don't see in what sense they're peers i've got a nine-year-old a seven-year-old and a 16-month-old at home and i live in fear that they will be exposed to let alone exploited in this kind of material i don't understand you saying to him that they're peers and that therefore <laughs> it you, doesn't you... look like she, she just looks of a sigh like oh shit yeah like hindsight probably shouldn't have said that oh well i wonder if she had any idea any of this would have been brought up right because i mean you know these people she probably felt like so so proud of herself when she she came to when she um gave out these sentences um they're like oh this is great i'm gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna give me a promotion i'm doing everything that they say oh this is gonna be great i'm gonna be on easy street i'm gonna be on the supreme court and now it's like <laughs> she's she's on it's on national she's on c-span and they're like yeah why did you let all these pedophiles off on light sentences you were viewing sex acts between children who are not much younger than you and that that's that's somehow a reason to only give him three months help me understand this And so, actually, I want to see C-SPAN itself. Um, oh, my God. Uh, 
I'm not even going to play that audio. Oh my god. Persevere. <laughs> Emotional tribute to Madeline Albright. Okay. All right. My god. Could they fire whoever's clip? Whoever's clipping C-SPAN? Could they be fired? Uh, 32 seconds. Uh, here we go. All right. Um, let me ask you about the Hawkins case. You and I talked about this yesterday. You've been able to think about it overnight. This is a case. All right. She, she's not going to give a real answer, so I'm not going to. Um, here we go. This is some more questions. Um, let's turn to the crime of child pornography. I know there's been a lot of talk about it today. I, I don't want to spend much time on it. A lot of people have, have tried to explain the various differences in these cases, and the pre-sentencing reports, and, and the sentences that they got. So let me just ask you a, a simple question about it. Should the United States strengthen or weaken sentences for child pornographers? Senator, that's not a simple question, and the reason... Okay, and, and he said child... Okay, so when he says child pornographers, I imagine the people who make child pornography, not the people who consume it, but I don't know. Or maybe he just means child pornographers and, like, anyone who, um, who uh, participates. ...is because what this country does in terms of penalties is in Congress's province. You all decide. You all decide what the penalties are. I mean, yeah, I, I will say it is sort of odd to bringing up all these uh, pedophilia related stuff. Just be, I mean, because yeah, it is, it is weird and is repugnant and disgusting um, her, her sentences um, and decisions. Um, but uh, why am I saying um, I'm leaning on all these fucking crutch words? Like, I, I don't think there's very many pedophile cases that go up to the Supreme Court. So it is, you know, it, it, it is a little bit odd they're spending this much time on it. But it is, I imagine, like the worst thing in her, um, you know, in, in her, uh, her history. You decide what the factors are that judges use to sentence if you determine that any set of penalties is insufficient then it is in your purview to make that determination. There are many crimes that Congress has determined warrant mandatory minimum penalties, warrant other kinds of penalties, and that is in your purview to determine. I say, Judge, I think whether or not we should strengthen or weaken sentences for child pornographers is a pretty simple question, but I'll move on. Oh, and the questions got even simpler. Um... Oh well, there's one. At one point, they asked her if she could. Um, what, what, what was in you? You've probably all seen the, um, seen the clip. It was. Um, could you? What, what's your definition of a woman? And she said no. Or <laughs> what was like? Could you define what a woman is? And she said no. <laughs> like why not? Like I'm not a biologist. But yeah, you probably also just to paraphrase it. So now I want to read this article. Because, unfortunately, there's some debate in libertarian circles about this. This is from the Children's Advocacy Center. Viewing child pornography, a victimless crime? Question mark. One of my recent blog posts, and this is by Tammy Pitzen, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center of Jackson County. One of my recent blog posts focused on the idea that viewing child pornography is not a victimless crime. 
I decided to add a part two because further explanations seemed to be needed. I think we could all agree that taking pictures of children for sexual pleasure is against the law, even if you do not agree that viewing them is morally wrong. I think we could also all agree that using children for any part of your sexual gratification is against the law. These are not victimless crimes. There is a, chi uh, a child who could tell the story of how these events impacted their lives. Children are unable to consent to sexual pictures being taken of them. They cannot consent to these images being shared, sold, or swapped with other people who view similar pictures. Anytime an adult uses a child for sexual gratification, it is abusive. Child exploitation is not a victimless crime. I recently saw an article that depicted these children as the forgotten victims. Why are they forgotten? And why do people have such a hard time seeing that they are victimized by those who view the pictures? One theory is that technology makes it easy for us to forget that these are real children. A person can feel far removed from reality when surfing the internet. Do not be fooled into thinking these pictures do not de demoralize and harm the children in them. Child sexual abuse usually involves someone manipulating, coercing, or tricking a child into being confused about appropriate boundaries and what types of touch are appropriate, about what is right and what is wrong. And in my opinion, when someone says that viewing, child, viewing pornographic pictures does not harm a child, it is one more manipulation to give them permission to continue on and for abuse of children. Would you feel violated if someone took a picture of you without clothes on, doing something you had no control over, and then shared that photo with thousands of people who may, you may or may not know, would you constantly worry about whether people you come into contact with on a daily basis had seen that picture? Would you worry about whether your grandmother would see that picture? Would you wonder if a person interviewing you for a great job had seen that picture? Well, I don't know how that would stop you from getting a job. I mean, in, in fact, that would probably get you, um, that would probably get you sent, well, well, actually, yeah, now, now it is shit. I don't know. I don't know if you'd want to work at that company. I mean, you know, if your boss, like, if your boss saw that picture, like, you know, if your boss saw, like, child pornography of you, um, I think I'd probably say more about your, gee, well, I'm probably overthinking it. Would you wonder how you would tell a person you fell in love with that these pictures are forever floating around the internet? Well, I I mean, you know, I don't I don't know anyone, any, like, decent boyfriend or, you know, partner, um who uh you know wouldn't be you know supportive or would make a big deal if there's like you know a picture of you know like their you know spouse when they're 10 years old being you know uh being raped i mean you know i don't it doesn't seem like that big of an issue like i mean issue like you know for for um for uh it's not, not that big of an issue to to you know to uh, be with that person i mean other than like you know the emotional stuff like you know um, I, although I guess in like some, some cultures being raped is like shameful. Like that's why in Japan, well, although I, I don't know if this is an actual thing in Japan or just in like hentai and stuff or like, you know, if it'd be like a busy train and you know, it's like woman would be standing on the train and then some pervert, uh, starts like, you know, groping her and stuff. And she stays like totally quiet because, um, because it's like shameful to shout or, 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 or you know, whatever, um, which really, which really is, is just, just so, you know, it, it really is just like a sick, uh, you know, sick of a society that, you know, can't protect its women, right? Where it's like, you know, a society is just so like obsessed with, um, I don't know, like social standing or whatever that like, you can't protect women from getting raped. They just have to sit there quietly and take it. Um, you know, I guess like, you know, Kaivunda, right? You know, why, why, uh, you know it's no wonder um you know no wonder no one wants to have a kid there in that country
would the thought of these pictures being out there cripple your functioning in your day-to-day -day life? Would you be able to sleep? These sound like signs of trauma to me. Is it really a victimless crime? That's just something to think about here. And here we go. And I just and so since I brought up um, the uh, libertarian party, and now a lot of people, you know, who are listening to this, you know, already live uh, live in New Hampshire or have plans to move to New Hampshire. So the uh, National Libertarian Party is a uh, little more than an afterthought, but there is a concerted effort from the Mises Caucus to take over the Libertarian Party um, in Reno, I think in May, at the National Convention. Uh, there's a lot of organization getting put into it. So I'm, ho I'm hoping it works out. And there's fear and, um, yeah, because you have crap being put out like by, put out like this. And so this is Libertarian Party, um, official Twitter page. Anything I don't like is CRT because, um, the GOP tweeted out, um, something about, uh, I don't know, I guess like some, for whatever reason, this Kentonji Brown Jackson, um, you know surprise surprise probably hates white people um and so this was just a retweet here from david versus goliath here on chairman of the libertarian party um that was this newcastle county delaware so instead of reaching out to the millions of parents currently discussed of public indoctrination centers let's do this yeah let's let's you know let's say crt isn't real yeah Swear to God, it's like a Democrat-run account. Um, yeah, has anyone considered they're trying to sabotage the party before they are removed from leadership? And that's, yeah, that seems exactly what they're doing. Like, turning off as many people as possible. Um, Pre-K through 12 school where Judge Jackson sits on board pushes cultural Marxism on kids. So that was from Breitbart. So it was more about the um, this judicial candidate. Georgetown Day School, the private pre-K through 12 school where Judge Kentaji Brown Jackson sits on the Board of Trustees, teaches radical critical theory, pedagogy, and boasts on its website, everyone will engage in the work of social justice within all aspects of school life, which Judge Jackson would be required to support and promote as a member of a board. During her second day of questioning by senators on Tuesday, Judge Jackson took questions from a number of Republicans pertaining to her opinion on critical race theory, and Senator, which I don't know why that would come up in the Supreme Court, but. And Senator Ted Cruz spe specifically probed her on race essentialist materials being taught at Georgetown Day School, such as Anti-Racist Baby by Imbram X. Kendi. Right? Teaching babies could be racist. However, teaching Anti-Racist Baby is not the only radical material being pushed on children at the school where Judge Jackson sits on the board. GDS brags about its far-left curriculum in its 2021 through 2022 high school profile. Curricular highlights showcasing a course, for instance, about exploring reproductive justice, i.e. being allowed to murder your unborn child. In a ninth grade seminar, quote, flagship social justice course that serves as a launching point for a GDS high school education. The school hosted a speech in September 2020 by Dr. Dina Simmons called Self-Care, Healing, and Equity Responsive Practices, which discussed opening the door for continued anti-racist work. A GDS teacher also led a conference in 2018 called Sticks and Stones, exploring the N-word 
in our school communities. The school takes part in the People of Color Conference NAIS teacher training, according to its website, which has been previously reported on by Breitbart News as having been launched by Black Panther member Randolph Carter, who I, f- I forget if, if Alex Jones had that guy on his show. He had some Black Panther on, on his show. and includes lectures such as cultivating anti-racists and activists in kindergarten, decolonizing the minds of second graders, and the white people's way. Carter's wife, Elizabeth Denevy, also worked at Georgetown Day School for 10 years, where she served as a co-director of diversity and as a senior administrator, according to Denevy's website, teachingwhilewhite.org. Let me guess, she's white. Well, what do you know? Okay, um, I, (laughs) wow. Well, isn't that something? A white person being the... What was it? The um, co-director of diversity. I I guess she's a woman, so probably that's that's her diversity card. But no, I don't know. I don't don't think it's going to cut it anymore. I I, I think just being white in general, you can't... that, That means you're not diverse. Wow. Is it funny? It's it's funny. It's like it's like how you know when they when they find out that a prominent neo-Nazi or anti-Semite actually has like a Jewish grandparent or is actually Jewish themselves, right? It's like the same thing here. It's like the people who hate white people the most are self-hating white people, right? Or it's like hold on, the people who are pushing this kind of stuff the most is uh, critical white people hate theory and stuff are white. Like Robin D'Angelo, and you know, and people would say, "Oh yeah, Vincent, you mean very quote white?" Well, no, I mean D'Angelo is a pretty. I, I guess I don't know unless you say Italians aren't white, but D'Angelo is a pretty. You know, I mean, just by going by American um, American standards, uh, yeah, you know, these, you know, these white women, white women. Um, well, what's his name? Who Talcum X? Oh, what was who was the guy's name? That 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 guy. Um, no, now Rachel Dole. Rachel Dole is all would count also. Um, oh damn, uh, not D, not D Ray McKesson. Who who is it? Talcum X. Damn it, who is that guy? Um, where it's like he claims to be black, but he you know if you see him in person, he's his skin is just as pink as mine. Or I'm, mine isn't pink actually. Mine is um nice all nice and uh, porcelain, but he has like super pink skin. Wow, well, his name escapes me, but um. Yeah, just keep proving my point. When Judge Jackson was asked by Senator Cruz about whether she agrees with with kids at the school, she sits on the board of trustees of being taught that babies are racist. She denounced critical theory pedagogy. So while she's getting all the, uh, that is a good point. Someone else, uh, someone made, she's, that was a Tucker. That's what uh, Tucker Carlson made the point. She's getting all of the uh, softball easy questions, right? Can you define what a woman is? Are babies racist? I do not believe that any child... So, I don't know, this does sort of sound like a dog and pony show. That this is just all political theater. That, you know, maybe she's the... Um, yeah, all right, now now I see. Yeah, so it could be that she's the... Um, I don't know if stalking horse would be the right word. But she's like the sacrifice, right? Sort of similar with that, with that freak um, that they got to be the... Uh, 
or that they try to be the ATF head, that Chipman guy, right? Where he's just some someone who's literally at Waco who brags about it, takes pictures with the corpses of children, just egregiously bad. Um, and he's obviously voted down, but then they get someone who no one cares about or, or has ever heard of into the ATF instead. And so then now the whole issue of, you know, the ATF murdering a bunch of men, women, and children at, um, at Waco suddenly goes away. So part of me wonders if she's going to be the sacrifice, right? Where she's obviously voted, you know, she, she obviously can't get it, uh, because of this stuff. And then we're going to get someone else who's less controversial, but has all the same opinions, if not worse. And we're all going to go back to sleep and then we're going to have, yeah. And then, yeah, she's going to get approved to the uh, Supreme court. And then we get to say, bye-bye guns, bye-bye crypto, you know, bye-bye freedom, bye-bye everything. She's going to be worse than the uh, old geriatric uh, boomer she's replacing. So she replied, I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued. Or though they are less than, that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I do not believe in any of that, she insisted uh, during Tuesday's hearing. However, according to the NAIS website, the first... The first responsibility of a trustee is that he or she actively supports and promotes the school's mission, vision, strategic goals, and policy positions, including its commitment to equity and justice, and represents them appropriately and accurately within the community. And yeah. So, obviously she's lying, but she's not going to um, get, uh, get the Roger Stone treatment. All right, so enough of that. I'm getting sick of hearing about that. So naturally, time to talk about Ukraine. Yeah, I have, um, you know, other than the, uh, was the Cajun seasoning in the end of breading, I also finally made raspberry cordial, which is um, kind of too sweet for me. I had to end up putting a lot of lemons and limes in to, like, balance it out. And now it's actually really good. Um, and it was super simple, too. I figured I'd have to, like, boil, you know, boil stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's literally just, you know, what was it, six cut? I had, like, what, like... 24 was it 24 ounces of raspberries six cups of water with one and a half cups of sugar bring it to a boil pour the pour the water onto the raspberries let it seep overnight and then strain it i, I wish i had my cheesecloth if i i, I couldn't find where my cheesecloth was then it was then i could get even more uh juice from the raspberries but um yeah, so, um, and, you know, I squeezed out, uh, you know, squeezed everything I could. And it, it's kind of, ta- it, it basically, it's like, it, it's sort of like um, a raspberry lemonade, I guess, without any, well, I mean, I, I added lemon, but, um, or like almost, I guess it is almost like a tea, right? Just because it seeps. So it's like you can still taste the water, but you could also taste like the raspberry and the sugar. Um, so I think with the lemon and lime, I think I, I made it perfect. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, you know, pretty rich. Very, very good though. Yeah. This spring, I'm going to go all in with like gardening and, uh, granola stuff. You know, I want to start making dandelion tea. So this is from zero hedge. Ukraine blocks trans women, refugees. They are men must go back and fight. And so there be, and you know, this is for, for being conscripted, right? This is Zelensky, right? The, 
uh, bastion of freedom and democracy in uh, Eastern Europe, right? You know, forcing, you know, essentially enslaving all the men in the uh, in the country to um, fight this war, this losing war. The Ukrainian government is refusing to allow transgender women to leave the country, along with millions of women and the children refugees who've been streaming into Poland and other European nations. Instead, Ukrainian border guards are turning them back and forcing them to return home to join the fight. Their reasoning might sour some trans activists in the West. Ukraine's martial law requires all biological males between the ages of 18 and 60 to remain in the country and fight, and it makes no exceptions for trans women. Even trans women who have been widely accepted by their communities as women still carry passports identifying them as males, which is what border guards see when they try to cross the border. In many cases, trans women who have tried to flee have been turned back, according to the Italian newspaper La Corriere della Sera, Italy's largest circulation paper. The paper quoted a trans woman who shared her experience at the hands of the guards. They are men. They must turn back and fight. The story has been picked up by a handful of European newspapers, including the UK-based Guardian. Trans women who spoke of the two newspapers describe humiliating searches by border guards and other perceived depredations before being denied further passage. Since Ukraine enacted martial law on February 24th, it's estimated that hundreds of trans women have tried to cross the border. Many have been turned back. The trans activists who spoke with both papers have said that trans people have reason to flee since they would likely face persecution if Russia seizes control of a country. The Guardian went as far as to... And it just cuts off. Uh, the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex Association said Ukraine ranks 39 out of 49 European countries for its overall treatment of LGBT... Hold on. Uh, what was it? Um, uh, hold on. Hold on. We have, we have to get it right now. Oh my god, it just keeps getting even worse. Um, so no, it's not LGBTQ+, it's LGBTQ squared IP2SA squared. Um, people, gay marriage is not allowed in the country, and the Christian Orthodox Church considers homosexuality a sin. There are also no anti-discrimination laws to protect... LGBTQQIP2SAA people. Legally speaking, Ukraine started recognizing trans women as women in 2017 with one important catch. They must undergo extensive psychiatric observation and a lengthy bureaucratic process before their assumed gender can be reflected on formal documents. Interestingly, the American press didn't pick up the story. Could this be because it might undermine the bright and shiny and definitely not Nazi-ish new heroic image of the Ukrainian government, which has been the subject of almost unanimously positive coverage in the American press? Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, and I mean, it, it's if this was any other country, the press would lose their minds over this, right? I mean, hell, if, 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 someone, if, you, if someone's business, if someone at their business refuses to bake a cake 
right for the LGBTQQIP2SAA mafia, right? The Gestapo, as um, as <laughs> Granite Rock calls it. Um, you know, they they get sued into oblivion. Um, their name is Mud. They get absolutely um, destroyed in the court of public opinion, or at least by the media. And yet here, Zelensky's literally enslaving trans people into um, into fighting this war. And, oh, he's, you know, we, we have to start World War Three for this guy. Literally, and not just enslaving trans women. I mean, enslaving, you know, enslaving all men. Um, but in, in this case, you know, one would think, like, with a headline like that, you know, with a headline like, their men must go back and fight, you know, that, that um, you know, Mother Jones or Salon or New York Times would say something, but no, and they're scum. Because they're scum, they're whores. I mean, they're lower, I mean, they're scum and they're whores. Honestly, they're whores. Um, they're ideal, I mean, they're, and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're even lower than a, a sexual whore, like, you know, like a literal whore. Um, they're ideological whores, right? Because at least, at least regular whores bring, um, you know, bring some comfort and joy to people uh and, and stds you know uh, but you know for for a price um while ideological whores um hurt and kill people uh by spreading disinfo and by warmongering they own the long clock how the russian military is starting to adapt in ukraine this is from taskandpurpose.com Hey, what's going on, uh, Shay Ginger? Spike Cohen would support John Money's recorded molestation of his child trans patients as a form of treatment. What's going on, Koenig Steiger 100? Pedos should be hanged, not jailed. Make the penalty very harsh, and I bet that the, dis the disease of kid fucking would disappear. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but you know, the, the people who make the laws also engage in fucking kids. So naturally, they're not going to um yeah, they're, they're not going to make the penalties harsh. But good point. Good point. Thank you. Um So, Kiev, Ukraine, the commander and staff of a Russian battalion take over a home near Oh yeah, and so you might this this it's it's getting like Orwellian to the point where like I I look up one news article and it says how the Russian uh army is collapsing, they have no food, they have no ammo, they're they're having friendly fire strikes, the uh, Ukrainian military is going to have a counterattack. And then on the other end it says that Ukraine's going to collapse any minute. The Russians have everything surrounded. Um, so I don't really know what to believe here. Okay, so Russian battalion take over a home near the Ukrainian town of Irpin, north of Kiev. They demand food from the elderly women, woman living there, and she reluctantly complies. She's alone, her husband is dead, and her son is away in the army. While preparing the food, she adds a liberal dose of laxatives to the commander's meal. These soon take effect, and as his subordinates settle down for the night... The commander rushes to the wooden outhouse, a common fixture of rural Ukrainian homes, even in the 21st century. The woman waits until he is in mid-void before dousing the sides of the outhouse of gasoline and setting it alight. By the time his horrified companions break down the door, 
the commander is is uh, charbroiled, and the woman is gone. Okay, this sounds like a Quentin Tarantino thing. It sounds like, I mean, I guess this is possible, right? This is, you know, possible to happen, but this sounds like a weird, uh, weird, like, Inglorious Bastards um, fantasy. The story has been told to me so often that I could fill in the gaps the narrator might miss. It invariably ends in fits of laughter among Ukrainians. Even the nice woman who told me the story first during the train ride from Warsaw to Elviv giggled ir- irrepressibly at the punchline. She was an artist and poet before the war. Now she was returning to Kiev, where she told me with br- without bravado she intends to resume her volunteer work at a kitchen and set up to feed soldiers defending the capital and then, if necessary, to take as many Russians with her as she can. What about your children, I asked her. She told me they were in Hungary with her ex-husband. I'm doing this for my children, she replied. The theme of Ukrainian resilience and determination is a real one, of course. For every urban myth, the ghost of Kiev, the martyrs of Snake Island, there are dozens of real stories that underscore its ubiquity and power. I see it now as members of a territorial defense force. Uh... So, skipping ahead, the Russians are already adapting, and by doing so, are narrowing the Ukrainians' tactical edge. The one-sided culling of uh, Russian armored columns that characterized the opening days of the war and kept YouTube subscribers around the world happy are a thing of the past. The Russians now lead their formations with electronic attack, drones, lasers, and good old-fashioned reconnaissance by fire. They're using cruise missiles and saboteur teams to target logistical routes manufacturing plants, and training bases in western Ukraine. Realizing that the Ukrainians lack thermal sites for Verstinger missile launchers, the Russians have switched all all air operations to after dark. It may be for the same reason that Russian cruise missile strikes in western and southern Ukraine have also been at nighttime. Huh, wow. Jeez, that's, uh... That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, um... It's an interesting development. And, like, I guess this makes sense considering this one thing I heard was that the reason why things got so fucked up for the Russians, despite how, um, you know, they're, like, allegedly, you know, one of the, like, best militaries in the world is, is that they expected to be welcomed by the Ukrainians more so than they actually were. Which is why, um, I guess because I'm thinking like, well, why didn't they do the electronic attack drones, lasers, and all this stuff, you know, before getting all their tanks and shit blown up? Like, you know, if I was like, if I was going to invade a country, right? If I was like playing um, the, you know, like a modern day mod of um, Hearts of Iron Four, um, yeah, like the first thing I do, you, you know, use um, cruise missiles, saboteur teams, you know, target logistics, training bases, and shit. Realizing that the Ukrainians lack for... Okay, I read that. Um, the Russians have learned to play to their strengths. While Ukrainian soldiers mock for Russian counterparts, they are deeply respectful of Russian artillery, an asset that the Russians are using more frequently to compensate for their infantry's deficiencies. Yet, yeah, as a result, a lot more destruction and blown-up buildings. Several snipers I spoke with recently agreed that the Russians' indirect fire capability was the most concerning, a result of sheer reckless mass... Mass rather than technical skill. They told me some hair-raising stories to 
illustrative point and one amusing one. Ukrainian soldiers defending Kiev commute to the battle in their own vehicles. After a recent three-day insertion, the sniper team returned to their extraction site to find all the cars flattened by Russian artillery. A contingency operation not covered by their insurgent excuse, insurance plans. Overconfidence may obscure for the Ukrainians one salient fact about this conflict. Time is not on their side. They have fought a skillful and determined defense, but also have the advantage of home turf, interior lines, and the inherent superiority enjoyed by a defender with well-prepared positions, cutting-edge weapons, and clear fields of fire. The question now is whether they can pivot to the, to the offense with its requirement for more comprehensive planning, faster than the Russians can adapt. If not, a prolonged conflict seems likely, and in a war of attrition, the Russians, with a military four times that of Ukraine, will inevitably have the upper hand. They own the long clock, a senior Ukrainian officer recently admitted. We are calculating time not in weeks or days, but in lives. So yeah, that is interesting, I guess, because it has sort of become a uh, slog fest right now. And this is, and you know, yeah, I, I know I'm using all these video game analogies, but um, it's like, you know, when you're, I guess I'll use the Civ Six analogy for the people who don't play, like, you know, the Total War or um, any of the Paradox Interactive uh, strategy games. But, you know, when you're ready to, you know, once you destroy the military of the opposing player, opposing country, and then... Um, then it's time where you just have to sit and uh, do all these, you know, siege after siege. And that's where things start to slow down. And, uh, I mean, like, I guess, unless... And, and the thing is, though, the Ukrainians can't even do what the Confederates tried to do and wait for uh, foreign powers to intervene. Because at least the Confederates had that hope. They they had that possibility that you know uh, England or France would intervene here with uh, but but was before nuclear war here if Ukraine were on their own so even if they're able to beat back the Russians at like Mariupol and uh, Kiev there's nothing stopping the, uh, stopping the Ukrainians from like or there's nothing um, I, I I guess unless they're if they're given a lot of a lot of the material that got destroyed or they have a bunch of reserves in the western part of the country but it's hard to see them like taking back what putin's already able to uh, hold on to if we're able to uh, to survive uh, okay i'm gonna skip this for a future show and so Biden is here. Biden heads across the Atlantic to rally the West at a pivotal, pivotal moment for Ukraine and his presidency. Oh my God! This We've been watching history unfold. Oh, uh, CNN Plus. Five things you need to know. So I mean, and it was, it was Howard Stern who said, you know, no Lastly, one watches CNN for free. So why would you pay money to watch CNN Plus? My voice is starting to get tired, so I'm just going to play the clip, the audio. Uh, in the last week or so, um, former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko suggested that President Biden 
should visit Ukraine on his trip to Europe this week. Uh, is that on the table? As far as I know, it's not on the table. The president is uh, going to uh, Europe, uh, and he will be meeting with uh, all of our partners and allies there. Uh, I have not seen any uh, discussions of the president going into Ukraine, but uh, you have to remember we have discouraged Americans from going into Ukraine. This is a country at war. I, I can't imagine that uh, that would be on the table. You know, that is a good point. If Biden went when Americans are discouraged from that, that would send a bad example. So he, he left today, Wednesday. I think we're going to have a meeting tomorrow in Brussels, Belgium, with the EU and G7. Used to be the G8. Russia used to be part of the G8. Now it's a G7 because they got kicked out. A stop out. Okay, so focus on displays of cooperation in punishing Russia for prov and providing support to Ukraine as it comes under fire. A stop afterward in Poland is meant to highlight the massive refugee crisis that's followed Russia's invasion, as well as to reassure allies on NATO's eastern edge. For Biden, the last-minute talks are a venue to demonstrate the foreign policy credentials he promised as a candidate when he vowed to restore American leadership and repair broken, al yeah, quote, broken alliances. Okay. Um, okay, I'm moving this here. Four weeks into the war in Ukraine, and NATO leaders are preparing for an emergency summit, with President Biden traveling to Europe on his first foreign... Uh-oh, uh-oh, Biden giving up a Roman. Giving up a Roman salute on Air Force One. ...on his first foreign tour since the war began. Leaders are expected to roll out additional sanctions against Russia, as massive destruction and civilian deaths mount under continuous bombardment. Russia denies targeting civilians in what it calls a special operation. But in the besieged city of Mariupol, hundreds of thousands have been sheltering since the war's early days. While the city burns around them, people are trapped and left without food, water or heating. Bodies are being buried in the streets by residents themselves, such as Andrei. I hope there will be some sort of... And so you have people just dig digging a hole in the middle of the city or right in, you know, on, on a piece of grass next to a city street. Reburial, and this is just temporary. The military told us to put the body somewhere in the cold. The only cold places now are basements, but there are people in the basements. So bringing the dead to people is just, so we bury them here. Satellite imagery shows columns of smoke rising from residential apartment buildings engulfed in flames. Yeah, the whole city looks destroyed. In the city that was once home to 400,000 people. No journalists have been able to report from inside the Ukrainian-held parts of Mariupol for more than a week. Yet, invading Russian troops appear to have stalled, taken heavy losses, and have failed to capture... Well, yeah, and, you know, like, like journalists could be in... Well, journalist, like, Her Geraldo was in Afghanistan, right? Journalists could be in Iraq, journalists could be in Syria, journalists could be... Um, pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty much in most modern conflicts, uh, journalists were embedded, right? But no, not for some reason, not here in um, the Ukrainian-held parts of a city. And it's because it's a total police state, right? Ukraine's a total police state right now, as as the uh, footage we went over in a previous previous episode um, showed. That if you're if you're caught filming, you're going to be arrested and detained by the goons. A single major Ukrainian city. Or, you know, the goon police or depose the government. I'll repeat myself. On Wednesday, sources said a veteran senior aide of President Vladimir Putin resigned over the war and left the country with no intention to return.
Anatoly Chubais is the first senior official to break with the Kremlin since the invasion. Ahead of this week's NATO summit, the EU's Ursula von der Leyen described Ukraine as the face of freedom. Honorable members. Oh, wow. The face of freedom. Yeah, you're literally enslaving its men into fighting this war. Banning political parties. Banning media outlets. If freedom has a name, its name is Ukraine. And the Ukrainian flag is the flag of freedom today. So you're Hillary Clinton with an accent. In the past month, a quarter of the country's 44 million people have been driven from their homes. All right, so here we go. Biden arrives in Brussels Thursday, or ahead of Thursday's meeting. All right, thank you. They, they muted the uh, awful jet noise. Air Force One pulling in. The child sniffer in chief coming. Yeah, yeah, no one's wearing a mask anymore. Right? It's weird. It's like he'd make a video last week wearing a mask. Now, you know, this week he's meeting people. Yeah, he's, he's traveling, meeting people, touching people, driving away. All right. Okay. It's nap time again, Mr. President. Okay. Armed groups of jihadist militants on the side of the Kiev regime around. Ki oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, a little bit too excited. I was watching uh, Jesse Waters' show on Fox News for a while while doing show prep. And he's like, oh, here's some footage of uh, Mariupol. And it shows um, there's fighting and you hear Allah Akbar. And I'm like, Allah Akbar, do, 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 Allah And, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, we're showing the, uh, the Chechens. And then, you know, he goes, you know, Jesse Waters comes back and narrates. And he says, <laughs> he says, um, yeah, those... Uh, those were foreign fighters coming from all over the world uh, to fight Putin. And I think I've seen everything now, right? It's Fox News praising fighters who are yelling Allah Akbar. So praising, you know, what they what like 10 years ago they would have called a uh, radical Muslim, you know, fighters screaming the terrorist phrase Allah Akbar. And then now we're saying, oh, yes, they're fighting against evil Putler. Yes, yes, he's, you know, this is uh, this is good. So while we've come a long way, Fox News. Armed group of jihadist militants on the side of Kiev regime around Kiev. Okay, so apparently, so now there's the pro-Russian Chechens, and apparently there's also anti-Russian Chechens. So this is a firefight. Looks like an underpass for a highway. There's some sort of bridge. So it's a bunch of infantry hiding behind a um a ditch. Oh, so that's what an RPG round looks like. Okay, I've, I've only ever seen it like, you know, the, the, the tip of the RPG grenade. Oh, that's interesting. That's what it looks like. 
Okay, so here we go. This is a railway, so we're fighting at a, um, ra a, a train bridge. Allah Akbar! Allah Akbar! Allah Fired for rocket propelled grenades. Well, I I'm glad he got this footage. Unfortunately, he's holding the camera the wrong way, but... The country is just battle royale at this point. Yeah. Let's see here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, since Madeline Albright died, yeah, Ressa, yeah, she's she's probably in hell, almost definitely straight in hell. You know the um, what what kind? Of, I guess it was what Serbia. Yeah, it's like uh, like what was the story? It was like the Serbians helped her and her family escape the Holocaust, and then she grows up, and then essentially uses NATO to genocide them, um. And then accuse them, and then using, you know, but yeah, it's it's just such a sick situation. She's 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 definitely in hell right now, no doubt about it. Just an evil cunt, you know. And, and it's like for, and, and I mean, I got, I will say for all all the all the shit I give, you know, people, um, you know, I call like reprobates and stuff, and that I um like you know have like disagreements with and things i gotta say the warmongers are really the worst the warmongers all the people i criticize i mean i'd say the warmongers are even worse than the pedophiles because like pedophiles they rape and hurt and, and many times do kill children but the warmongers kill i mean they, they're they enable right they they enable the killing of millions of children and the rape of thousands of children by you know by by invading armies and there I, I view yeah i just i just view the warmongers as much where they're the, the warmongers are the epitome of um of scum just just absolute you know bottom of a barrel bilge water diarrhea scum and then i mean i never thought i'd ever say anyone is worse than a pedophile but um these warmongers really do take the cake rare footage of actual combat use of the um FGM 148 Javelin anti tank missile system by the Ukrainian army. So, yeah, I remember these from uh, Modern Warfare 2, obviously. So, and I remember it's like you would fire the missile and it would go up and then it would hit whatever, whatever target. I guess he's aiming. 
I guess I guess it works. Training exercise, probably. I was always curious. Russia is capturing many Azov militants deserting Mariupol disguised as women. Oh, what do you? So I guess yeah. All right. So I guess I guess all the show show prep comes in full full circle tonight. We've come full circle. So yeah, and so they have this guy whose hands are tied, and he's dressed in a what he's dressed. He's wearing a, a woman's dress skirt, or I guess like a long skirt or whatever, and a woman's fur coat. They have a cat boy, a man in cat ears wearing an America First sweatshirt uh, coming out here. Many Ukrainian deserters being captured now. Cold, wet, injured, and haven't eaten for days. Russians giving them medical treatment and food, which is funny because I've heard... Um, I've heard the opposite about, uh, I've heard the inverse, that it's the Russians who are cold, wet, and injured. But. So apparently filming POWs is a, a war crime, but you know, fuck it, whatever. Slava Russia! Gromche! Slava Russia! Your beards suck. You... They barely even hide your chin line. Okay. Um. So there's that. Update from Kosak Gundi, a Brit serving as an enlisted Ukrainian Marine in Mariupol. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this whole Reddit battalion thing, or the, 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 the um, Ukrainian Reddit Foreign Legion thing just totally, um, totally collapsed. Total laughing stocks. I actually did go before the show just to see what they were talking about, and it's like, the top, it's like every time I go there, the top thing is stop taking selfies, the top post, stop taking selfies, right? You're giving away, you're giving away your positions, right? To, we had... What was it? Two training bases now were blown up because these redditors keep posting, or maybe not red, maybe they're not all redditors, but these westerners just can't stop posting selfies of themselves um, at their bases. It's like it's it's. I mean, it's it's sad people get blown up and being killed, but it also is somewhat like. I mean, you you can't help but you know find something. Um, uh, a little bit humorous about the situation, right? That these clout chasers end up getting themselves like blown up. Just a quick message, just uh, confirm I'm still alive. It's March 22nd. Um, just a quick message um, about the situation here. We still control the city. Um, Ukrainians are fighting hard day and night. The wall is tremendously strong and they're not going to be submitted by Russian imperialism. And my second message is about the situation here for the civilians. Um, when we were pushed from our defensive front lines on the uh, Donbass sector, gradually, day by day, we were pushed back to Mariupol. And since we've come to Mariupol, we're now on the outskirts defending it, just on the very like, outer districts. But since then, Russian forces have continued to target the civilian areas where we're not located. And I, I know this firsthand because I've watched it. I've watched multiple grad vehicles like launch their rockets into the civilian mm -hmm, Sure. 
Ramzan Kadyrov uploads new footage of urban battles in Mariupol. Okay, so this is um, some sort of semi-urban area. They're hiding behind these uh, riflemen, hiding behind trees. Как обстановка вот здесь на этом участке, насколько серьезная, насколько сложная? Зона находится под ярким обстрелом и около 100-150 метров от завода. Вот это был прилет только что. So he's, he's interviewing the commander in the middle of a battle. Это мина, скорее всего, была или РПГ? А, это танк выстрелил, понятно. Но у вас потерь нет, все хорошо. Чеченская республика, как всегда, пока. Айзи.ру iz.ru I've just been eating up all this as, as much footage um oh there it is see the media here damn I mean I, I gotta give it to any any journalist who's like in and out like a legit actual war zone So there's that, um, here, it was the, okay, so Mariupol, it was the second largest town in the Dantesk Oblast region before Russia invaded Ukraine, and yeah, this is drone footage of a devastation, <clears throat> and I'm sure if it wasn't winter, if, like, everything wasn't, like, dead, I mean, it's in, like, you know, the trees and stuff, it would be even more of a contrast, you see smoke rising from buildings, you see uh, big black spots where, you know, it's been impacted by fire or like, you know, a missile or a shell. You know, I, I think when they say they're doing artillery strikes, I, I, I think it's just like missiles and rockets. I don't think um, I don't think the Russians have like howitzers or like, you know, I guess my I, I, I guess my my idea of warfare is uh, pretty um, probably you know, pretty antiquated, like, eight, you know, 17th or I guess like 18th century. Like I saw this quote from, well, it looks like Grozny in 1996. It's what the Russian army does best. Well, yeah, I guess if the only good thing, um, you know, if the only good thing your army, if the only thing your army is good at is artillery, then yeah, <laughs> these cities are going to be destroyed. I don't like it, but this is expected outcome of strong urban defense, especially against the artillery-centric army like Russia. 
Mosul or Raqqa didn't look much different either, despite the predominant use of laser GPS guided bombs. All right, and he's, he's arguing with uh, some fucking boomer warmonger faggot with a, a Wyatt Earp profile pic. Oh, yeah, I saw this quote, and it was um, it was some, some Prussian uh, military guy. He said it, to, um, said it to the French. Must have been, like, sometime around, like, the Franco-Prussian War where he said, like, we'll, we'll beat your, um, which were the, the Prussians, um, or I guess at that point they were German, but they just totally beat, BTFO'd France and, like, you know, captured Paris in, like, a few months and caused, uh, the, you know, the government to collapse. Um and uh yeah and i guess it, that's what got france to, you know started the uh, reputation of like surrender and just you know sucking militarily even though the french army was like the you know strongest in europe and even uh even like you know the free french hitler had um a lot of respect for the uh, french that were um you know that didn't join the vichy's uh collaboration regime and were uh, fighting against him I, I think it was like the free french enabled the british to um escape the some like or do, do do some big battle in uh north africa and it wouldn't have um been successful if it wasn't for the french i think it was like el alamein or something but anyway so so the germany said that uh, we'll we'll see so we'll beat the french liberty fraternity and um egalite which is you know equality with our uh, infantry cavalry and artillery um, and I mean, it's, and I, and, and I, it's, it's, I guess it's along the lines of political power grows out of a barrel of a gun, but I just love that quote so much. And so now here, this is what the city used to look like. Right? Nice blue sea. Nice colors. Nice trees. You know, it's a beautiful city, right? Not too much urban, uh, sprawl beautiful parks in the winter and the spring beautiful christmas trees ice skating you know kind of kind of gives me montreal or quebec city vibes you know a nice old european city a pier and of course you have fucking people wearing masks but you know whatever suburbs and then yeah now it's all being blown up And yeah, now it's all on fire. Alright, um... Oh, whoops. Well... Uh, okay, I guess I'll just go through... This is like the miscellaneous stuff. Um, oops. Oh, no, I'm covering that one later. Um, you know, if, if you don't think that there's... You know, when you talk about... Well, I'll Okay, I'll save this one for... Um, save this one for another future show. The whole grocery store is basically owned by 10 companies, yeah. So if you get any sort of soda, like Coke or, you know, Sprite, Dasani water, owned by Coca-Cola. If you get Klondike bars, I'm trying to find the stuff I recognize. I guess like the Popsicle, I guess like the ice cream stuff that's owned by Unilever. Dove ice cream, yeah. Then you have PepsiCo, if you get Cheetos, Quaker Oh, Well, I never knew Quaker Oats was owned by PepsiCo. Wow. 
Lay's potato chips or do they call them chips or crisps? I don't know. Cheetos, let's see here. Um, Kellogg's obviously owns cereal, owns uh, Pringles, Cheez-Its. Wow. Mars, let's see. The only thing I could think of is M&M's, yeah. Twix, Star Starburst. General Mills, Cheerios, Chex, Mondale, okay. Johnson Johnson, yeah. Wow, and it, it, was, it, was, it was actually is a pretty neat chart. Nestle and you know Gerber and stuff, Procter and Gamble. Yeah, I mean you know, we always it's like I, I talk a lot about the uh, six, six big media companies, but yeah, that also is a good point. There's like ten big grocery store companies. It's like the illusion of choice. Um, now I want to end on this article here that uh, Ian actually sent to me. Um, and I, 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 I realized I didn't, um, didn't cover it. But, um, Trump is just so passe, but, um, so I, I just thought it was so funny when he sent it to me. I saw the headline. Trump is still not, u- not using his own social media app a full month after its launch. Which is so weird. Like, what? Like, I, I just don't understand this guy. I, I, I just legitimately don't understand him. Like, if he, if it's an arrogance thing, if it's a laziness thing, if he's maybe, maybe he's just as senile as Joe Biden. Like, with uh, Ronald Reagan, because of his acting ability, he was able to hide just how, like, how you know that he, or I guess, but he was starting to get Alzheimer's when he was in office, which is, you know, a big, serious deal. So part of me wonders if a lot of Trump's shitty or stupid decisions is because he's starting to, you know, lose his cognitive function and he has uh, all these advisors and people like Jared Kushner. And, I mean, it would make sense that he keeps Kushner around, just thinking, like, putting yourself in his position, like, where he's this you know this this old boomer and he's like oh i have to like he he trusts jared because he's the biological father to his grandchildren and for whatever reason he you know trusts him more or whatever but so again it's been a full month and president donald trump is still not posting to his newly unveiled social media platform Truth Social launched on February 21st, and some users, such as journalist Greg Price, complained about sitting in a queue to access their accounts. Well, I finally made it out of the queue. Follow me on Truth Social. And it's it's a Twitter clone. Um, Many eventually gained access after the platform's rocky launch and are now posting on the platform. Three days before Truth's launch, former Trump attorney Jenna Ellis tweeted that she was waiting for Elon Musk to join. Okay. The day Truth went live, conservative influencer Ashley St. Clair was asking about Trump's whereabouts. Yeah, where you at, real Donald Trump, simultaneously tweeting it to Twitter. As of March 21st, Trump has only posted on his platform once. On February 21st, he posted, get ready, your favorite president will see you soon. As pollster Frank Luntz noted on Monday, Trump has not posted to the platform since. Trump vowed the platform would be a haven for free speech. The former president was summarily deep, summarily deep platformed from traditional platforms last January following the riot at the U.S. Capitol. 
which many critics believe he instigated. It was expected Trump would seize upon having a platform to share messages to his followers. Truth Social CEO Devin Nunes resigned from Congress to run the company. Oh boy, yeah, I wonder how much, wonder, <laughs> I wonder what he got in exchange for doing that. Uh, he commented on its trouble, troubled launch to conservative One American News two weeks ago. Our team is working literally around the clock, 24-7, he said. And as we grow and as we add people, we squash bugs. We're making changes, right? We're making changes right. Matter of fact, we should have in the next day or two another Apple update. Trump has reportedly complained about the fumbled rollout of truth. The Daily Beast, citing sources apparently close to Trump, reported that he asked, what the fuck is going on with the app? <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's funny. My dad asked me that one. Dad, he just says, oh, are you, uh, uh, are you on Trump's new app? And I say, no, I... And then I just laughed because I, I didn't even think about it, honestly. I, I just cared so little. Probably because I'm still allowed on Twitter somehow. But um, I said, yeah, no, I uh, no, I hear I hear it's awful. I hear it's terrible. And he's not even on it. And then my dad's like, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and several months, here we are. And then he's, he's yeah. Uh, or hold on. Was it? No, it was several weeks, actually. Yeah, it, was, it couldn't have been months. Yeah, it was several weeks later. And here we are. So yeah, I, I just don't understand it. Um, I understand now why he didn't go on Gab because Gab is a total fuck. It, it's Gab is heavily botted. It's it's all the stuff I've learned about Gab. Uh, one one day I'll have an article. I'll have um well anyway th things I'll have an article about. But yeah, so I understand why Trump didn't want to go on Gab and all of its shady thing. But like you know, if a man has his money to to launch his own you know his own platform and like. It's like it just doesn't make any sense. Like Peter Thiel and his people, like Michael Michael Zimmerman, you know, were able to like like Cozy TV, like Bandot Video, Cozy TV. Those were both made by the same guy, the, the um, is Israeli um, allegedly Israeli uh, individual Michael Zimmerman. And no, he's not alleged. Well, I forget if I don't know if it's like he's like dual citizenship or whatever, because that sounds like an American name, Michael Zimmerman, but. Um, he created, you know, two video streaming platforms, right? Bandot Video, which alleged, you know, some allegedly gets millions of views and stuff. So I don't see why they couldn't just get um, this guy to make like a Twitter clone, um, especially with Trump's resources and finances. And so I really do believe it's a thing of uh, it's a matter of like when, like for whatever reason, like, because I see you, it's like if you go on YouTube and stuff and you look at short films or Star Wars fan films, a lot of the times the fan films, which are made on a fraction of a fraction of a budget with absolutely no expectation of getting any of that money back because it's, you know, you, you can't. E even putting it out for free is difficult. You get better, um, you get better quality stuff than from like, you know, the millions of dollars, um, million dollar budgets. And yet, these movies that do have million dollar budgets, and the CGI looks awful. It looks like it's like Transformers Three. It's well, actually, you know, Transformers Three had better CGI than this shit that's coming out today. It's like, and and you know, as to uh, to, to quote Alex Jones, like I didn't even bother seeing Battle of the Five Armies in theaters because of the first two. I saw the first two, and they were okay. I didn't really understand why they um, needed to expand it into three movies because i saw it like you know but but anyways they had to add a bunch of shit 
I eventually did see uh, Battle of Five Armies on DVD with my mother just because she rented it from the library. But, um, you know, I remember Alex Jones said at the time he said that he saw it and he, it was like a three hour long video game just because there's so much CGI. Uh, apparently, like Ian McKellen had a tantrum on um, he had a tantrum on set because because of a height difference stuff with the dwarves and hobbits. He had to interact instead of interacting with actors, he interacted with glowing poles which is where they would like you know composite them and he's like oh i can't work in these this situation and so i honestly and anyway so um and you know and people people say in the comments why don't they hire these talented people and i honestly think it's like when you have all this money the people with all this money are stupid uh and nepotistic or, or, or stupid right a bunch of dumb boomers right not saying all boomers are dumb but these boomers are especially dumb because they have wealth they, you know they could afford not to think because they have all this money and i think that's an issue with a lot of boomers though they could afford to be stupid and greedy um and so instead of hiring these people of talent they you know they, they go to nepotism they go to um yeah really you know that's the way i think of nepotism favors um they hire expensive they hire like you know expensive company that does shitty work because the whole purpose of making the movie is to um make it have it come out at a loss so they could write off a loss offer taxes you know like the uv bowl um uv bowl uh method so part of me wonders if that's what's going on with um all of these weird like trump um websites that they launch and um and, and stuff and it looks like they lose investors lose money on and like all of this is just to, to write as much shit off as possible uh for trump to write off as much shit off as possible i don't know i don't know it's yeah i mean I, all i know is there's you know at risk of sounding like a socialist there's way better ways he could be spending that money but whatever you know it's his money to waste and his website to not be on whatever reason so anyways thank you everyone so much for tuning in I will be back this Friday, open line Friday, for any of the pedophiles who want to call in and argue why um, child pornography is a victimless crime, um, or for you know, and if any any other reason for that matter, uh, I will be open line Friday, nine thirty p.m. Eastern. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week, and I will see you all then. Someone needs me I don't know how or where But believe me I walk the universe To find her For better or for worse Beside her For the honor of love